Good day to you friends and welcome back to Murder She Didn't Write on the Wireless, the improvised murder mystery that is being recorded and created live from the homes of Degrees of Era Theatre Company. You're joining us at the fourth and final instalment of The Case of the Pogo Stick. In our last episode, I, Detective Genevieve Foxcroft, had just arrived on the scene as the suspects were embroiled in a standoff by the edge of the dig pit. I separated the suspects, I interviewed each of them, analysed the evidence, established a chronology of events, and drew my conclusions. And once I had done so, I brought them all back together at the scene of the crime for the final denouement. Thank you all for joining me here at the scene of the crime. What, what else are we supposed to do? I mean, we're all model citizens, apart from whoever the killer is. Exactly. I mean, I'm an upstanding professor, except when I'm a lying down professor. Yes, uh, I'm upstanding most of the time also. Enough of this. It is not often that I arrive on the scene of a crime to find that every single person present had a motive for murder. What, you didn't have any reasons to go on What a ridiculous thing. Come on now, aren't you to do anything like that? Can't even hold a teapot. Why don't we start with you, Professor Violet? Blue was threatening to pull funding and lose you this gig. He threatened to tell the Pope on me. And what had I done, really? All I'd done is replace a mammoth with a tiger in a fur coat. (gasps) Shameful behaviour. Mammoths are hard to find. You don't understand the pressure I'm under from the Royal Academy of Science and the Church. I can assure you that both the Royal Academy of Science and the Church will be hearing about this. And I wouldn't expect you to take the high road, Miss Pinky. I've always taken the high road. I'm five foot ten. What about you, Monty Moss? When you asked him to adopt you, he laughed in your face. Yes, I couldn't believe the sort of reaction he gave. He... He always struck me as such a nice, kind, fatherly person, and and, and I I will confess such a reaction did send me into a slight rage, but I am not the killing kind. I'm far too nice. Nice? He he is nice, yes. You've described him on several occasions as a gentle soul, but you, Greta Goldie, are no such person. You were upset that Blue revealed your confession to Monty. Yes, well, uh, to get you fired. Yes, that's right. He did, and I can't say I was best pleased about it. No, I was very upset, very angry. I, I thought we had some, you know, reverent confessor confidentiality agreement. I mean, there was a sheet up and everything, but I, I wouldn't kill him. I, I'm already scared enough of going to hell. I believe anyone who has had any length of conversation with the reverend would understand that he was far from a perfect clergyman. I can see that it made you angry. So with every single one of you having a motive to kill, I was forced to turn to the evidence, and what a lot of evidence there was. The crime took place inside Reverend Blue's tent. On one side of the tent was a slashed hole through the canvas, and on the other side of the tent there were a set of footprints leading to a hole that had been burrowed under one side of the canvas. There was Lady Priscilla Pinky's book, Bones, Aren't They Lovely, covered in sand. The body itself, both covered in sand and impaled with a pogo stick. But that wasn't the only evidence that helped me to solve this case. There was what I'm going to refer to as the book switch. There were two mysterious packages in this case. 
The first baggage that Pinky had lost that was missing from her luggage that she sent Goldie off to look for. Goldie told me all about this because to this day she doesn't know what was in that package. And of course, the mysterious package that Reverend Algernon Blue had asked Mossy to take care of. I have discovered exactly what these were. Pinky, of course, had mislaid the first manuscript of her book, which also contained a dossier of evidence about Violet. (gasps) No! How could you? I would have thought you would have seen it coming, Professor Violet. I do really dislike you. Pinky's had it in for you from the start. And it was this manuscript containing the dossier that turned up at the scene of the crime covered in sand. But how had Blue got his hands on it? Well, he had gone rummaging in your luggage from very early on in your arrival. He liked to go looking through other people's things, which you might have been aware of, having turned up on him earlier with his hands covered in Lady Violet's elephant dust. Oh, that sneaky, slippery little swine! I just like to mention the dung was from the elephant. Rather than me, I was just the possessor of the elephant dung. I understand it keeps you young. It does. Yes, I might go back and get a refund. The package that Blue gave to Mossy was the Bible that later turned up in the medical tent. Really? I, I hadn't looked inside it. I didn't know that. But why had he given it to you? Why was he hiding it? And why had it turned up in the medical tent? Well, Goldie, having been sent off to look for Pinky's lost manuscript, still not knowing what she was looking for, found the first suspicious package that she could lay her hands on and was walking back to Pinky's tent to show it to her when she threw it in the medical tent and went to chase off the feral dog that was plaguing her earlier. Oh, yeah. But why? Why were these mysterious packages changing hands? And why, in fact, were all of you here in the first place? The Reverend may have mentioned to you that he'd spent the last five years in Egypt after a particular gaffe with the Pope, having spilled a glass of wine in his lap. That is, of course, not the real reason. He was, in fact, sent away when it was discovered that he had had an illegitimate child with none other than an atheist. (gasps) Oh, my God. Oh, hello. Indeed. Goodness me. Yay! He was... Huzzah! He was sent away. He was sent away. Those are enough reactions. Sorry, detective. He was sent away in disgrace to further the church's research into scientific discovery out here in Egypt. But while in exile, he hatched a plan to bring his child back to him, which was why he contacted you, Professor Violet, and offered you the funding to carry out this dig. I should have known she didn't need any evidence or maps or pictures of mammoths. You couldn't possibly turn the money down or the opportunity to further your career. When he called you, you were absolutely desperate, which he knew. He made one request of you, didn't he? That you bring a very particular assistant an assistant who had never left the country before. Who? You, your great oaf! Oh. He requested all of this because he was trying to bring you back to him. His only son. (gasps) You mean he really was my father? I'm afraid so. His plan seemed to be going perfectly. 
professor who was completely employed with the dig and his one son on site and accessible to him at last. But unfortunately, the outlandish claims made by Professor Violet brought a second party, the press, which is what I'm generously going to call Priscilla Pinky's contributions to scientific journals and her popular science novels. How rude! But you're right. What a scoop! What a scoop. Suddenly, the air of secrecy that he had managed to maintain up until this point was being threatened. And so, instead of welcoming his only son with open arms, he treated you, Mossy, did he not? With disdain. He did. He completely treated me with disdain and any other sort of negative word you could think of. I got so confused I couldn't understand. Was he my father? Was I his son? Did he want a familial relationship or did he just want to try and convert me to the word of God? At the end of the day, life is a mystery. Everyone must stand alone. But one person was calling your name and it did feel like home. He saw an opportunity with Greta Goldie. He felt that in pushing you two together, he might separate her from her mistress, Priscilla Pinky, and bring her onto your side. That was why he constantly trying to throw you into an amorous connection together. Oh, he used me. He gave you the Bible in the hope that you would open the package and read the message, not knowing how obedient and good at following orders you really are. No, no, of course I didn't open it. If someone tells me not to do something, I won't do it. Such a handle on your servants, Professor Violet. Teach me your ways. I just tell them to do things and they're obedient and they do it. It's true. I've done everything she's asked of me. I always do everything that anyone asks of me. You don't do everything I ask of you. That's quite enough of that. Reverend Algernon Blue's master plan had brought you all together. Some of you completely inadvertently. And all of a sudden he was struggling to keep up with the effects of the mix that he had mixed. Rather like a spicy gin and tonic in his tent. In his tent he was murdered. But by whom? Not by Violet, who was carrying a loaded gun and so surely would have shot him. I would have shot him as well. So few. Good to know. I mean, I, I always follow the law, and I would never shoot anyone with my loaded gun. With the scene set, these are the events that led us up to the murder. The murderer came in through the slash in the side of the tent. As we are aware, through Priscilla and Professor Violet's entrances, it is very difficult to come into this tent quietly. And so they used a scalpel from the medical tent to make a seamless entrance. Upon spotting them, Reverend crossed the tent to the other side and tried to burrow his way out, which was how he became covered in sand, clutching as he was the Bones manuscript, believing it was the only way that he could resolve the situation that he had found himself in, at which point he was stabbed through the eye with a pogo stick. Which pogo stick? Not a pogo stick that was taken through the apparatus tent. A pogo stick that was being stored in another tent from which it is now missing. Only one person in this party keeps a pogo stick in their tent, and paradoxically, it is the only person who does not travel by pogo stick because they have never learned and instead bounce around on their legs. (gasps) You 
are the killer. Oh, oh Mossy, no. no! Yes, Mossy, yes. I did it. Do you know what it's like all your life saying yes and being obedient and doing everything that people tell you to do and thinking that it's going to bring you good things and then you find out one day it doesn't. So yes, I killed him. It was me. And up to about five minutes ago I would have stood by it, but now? Oh God, what have I done? It was surprisingly easy, you know. I'll tell you how I did it. I had decided that enough was enough. I crept to the tent, knowing that everyone else would be busy. I knew if I went in the front it would make too much noise. And although I've always been told one should never slash near a tent, I did. Stealthily, I snuck my way gently through the flaps and he saw me just as I had brought myself to full height. What are you doing in my tent now? And why are you so freakishly tall? I'm freakishly tall with the rage of having been mistreated with disdain. And I've had enough. I'm not going to let people like you walk over me anymore. I'm going to kill you. No, 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 I'll borrow out of this tent with my bare hands before that happens. <laughs> Reverend? I'm Reverend. dead now. Okay, good, that's what I was checking. Oh. Well, I suppose that means I showed him. And then I thought... Oh my goodness, what what should I do? I, I I grabbed sand and rubbed it on the handles of the pogo stick as well, just to make sure that my fingerprints weren't left on there. And, and then I decided to leave the way I came. So I snuck back out through the flaps. And you were still by the side of the tent a second later. And Goldie right. discovered the body and you heard her scream. It was enough time for me to collect myself and go round and help her, but the enormity of realising what I'd done just sent me into a rather dramatic faint. Oh, Mossy. You waited your whole life for a father, and as soon as you'd found him, you killed him with a pogo stick. And if I'd known, I could have... Oh, the relationship I could have had to him, if ever he tried to talk too much about God, I could have said, Papa, don't preach. And now I'll never have the chance. Indeed not. I'm afraid you're coming with me. I'll wait for you, Mossy. Oh, thank you. Hopefully it won't be too long. I hope you go to jail for a long time. <laughs> and that was how I solved the case of the pogo stick. Thank you for joining us. You have been listening to Murder She Didn't Write on the wireless, produced, created and recorded by Degrees of Error Theatre Company. The cast was Lizzie Skipiek as Professor Violet, Peter Baker as Monty Moss, Tessa Gorkroger as Priscilla Pinky, Rachel Proctolane as Greta Goldie, Stephen Clements as Reverend Algernon Blue and Caitlin Campbell as Detective Genevieve Foxcroft. Music, sound and editing by Sarah Garrard. This has been an Us production. We did it. We did it all ourselves. And it was just us. Thank you for listening. And see you next time.